Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, it is Friday, Green Bay at Washington, Sunday afternoon, FedEx Field, right around the corner here, our final show of the week, and that means keys to victory. So let's start on the offensive side of the ball for the Green Bay Packers. What do you think is the biggest key to pulling this one out? Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Mike McCarthy said on Friday morning the expectation is is they're going to go basically the same exact regimen that he was on last week where he didn't practice Thursday, but it looks like at least the goal is for him to practice on Saturday in the hopes of him playing on Sunday. And it's really interesting. I think that the aspect of this matchup that hasn't really been talked a lot about yet, at least in the mainstream, is that, okay, if you take away the injury, no injury, you just don't focus on that it's actually is going to be interesting in that the Packers offense is going to be in for what appears to be a test against this Washington defense regardless Mm -hmm. Uh, now it's a really small sample size I don't know how much you can read into the where Washington's ranked right now but the fact of the matter is they got off to a good start and they played well against Arizona so uh, where this goes from here we'll have to see but Aaron Rodgers did get going he got on the same page with Jimmy Graham last week uh, that their that combination together was able to generate some serious production, and then you have Devontae Adams, Geronimo Allison, Randall Cobb, and everything that comes with it. Packers are outside of Rodgers himself are really healthy on the offensive side of the ball, and then that gives number twelve his full assortment of weapons. Yeah, I think the most interesting matchup here we talked about it earlier in the week is Devontae Adams against Josh Norman. Yeah. I think we're going to see that as a one on one type matchup all throughout the afternoon. Now, Adams can certainly win his share in that matchup, but I don't think this is the same type of secondary as the Minnesota Vikings have. And I think, you know, the matchups here for Jimmy Graham, for Geronimo Allison, potentially Randall Cobb, I think these are some some favorable uh, matchups here for the Packers. Now, DJ Swearinger, the safety for Washington, had two interceptions of Andrew Luck. He's a guy who's uh, going to be sniffing out the football. There's no question about that. And Rodgers, I think, will – you know, definitely be paying attention to where Swearinger is out there. But uh, I like the Packers matchups here as far as the perimeter weapons against Washington secondary. And the fact that the Packers offensive line has had a pretty good test the first two weeks in terms of the pass rush and the defensive fronts they've had to face in their own division against the Bears and the Vikings. I think this sets up pretty well for, you know, as long as Rodgers is no worse for wear compared to last week, I think this sets up well for the Packers offense to get rolling, even though it's always tougher on the road. Yeah, I don't know if I can say that the Vikings have the top safety combo in the NFL. I don't even want to have that debate. But I do believe Harrison Smith and Andrew Sandejo complement probably the defense as well as any tandem in the league. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And that that was one thing that I think you had to take into account when you're looking at Xavier Rhodes, when you're looking at Trey Waynes and and, Mike Hughes and what they are doing uh, with the Vikings. Then you push it forward here to Washington. Josh Norman is one of the elite cornerbacks in yep. this league. I, I still believe it, even though he hasn't had an interception now in, in over a year. But he still is, has that shutdown type mentality. I just don't know if Washington really compliments him the same way that a Mike Zimmer defense compliments a, a Xavier Rhodes. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I, hear what you, I hear what you're saying. So it is going to be interesting to see with the footwork that Devontae Adams possesses and some of the different concepts and, and fundamentals that he stresses in his games – what the potential over-the-top ability is if he can you know, get some separation from Josh Norman right off the line. It's going to be a great little chess match to watch. 
And also seeing what Washington can do in the trenches, uh, trying to get a little bit more traction. The Packers have had really two big, tough tests uh, with that offensive line with Chicago and Khalil Mack coming in. Yep. You saw what Mack did last week uh, <laughs> in the, the challenge that he's going to present for de- offenses every single week this season. Right. And then Minnesota and, and what they can do in the gener- the power that they can generate in the middle. I, it, I it, My initial feeling is that Washington's not going to be able to do that as well or, or you know, as far as what we've seen in these first two games. So seeing how the Packers counteract that and maybe being able to give Aaron Rodgers a little bit more time to, to work those perimeter weapons. Yeah, there's always that uh, um, initial feeling out process, you might say, when a team goes on the road right. for the first time. You know, the crowd noise gets loud on those third downs when you're on offense. Packers have a veteran offensive line that's been, you know, in plenty of situations to uh, to hopefully handle that and, and not make it look like a first road game of the season, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, totally. And it'll be interesting, too, as you mentioned earlier this week, with yeah. the, the problems that they've had, Washington has had filling FedEx uh, field. Uh, if this could potentially be a, a Packers-type pseudo home game, only time will tell. But right. I, I think the one thing, the fact that they were 20,000 empty last week, um, now hosting the Packers, that'll be in a very interesting aspect of this matchup to see if uh, – you know, you can get some of the Lambeau Field East going uh, at, at FedEx Field on Sunday. Yeah, definitely something to watch as we uh, arrive there uh, late Sunday morning and take our seats in the press box as the fans start filing in. Switching to the defensive side of the ball as far as keys to victory here, Wes, I mentioned it in our final thoughts video. And I know two games, not the greatest sample size to go off of so far in terms of just where this Packers defense is, but it seems that... Uh, when the when this defense has limited the explosive plays, they've been pretty darn good, and they've right. held a lot. Of, they they've held the Bears and the Vikings to field goals. It seems the uh, the the big chunk plays are the ones that end up leading to the touchdowns. And I really think um, um, you know you throw out all the roughing the passer controversy and everything else aside, if this Packers defense can prevent the big gash type plays from happening I like their chances in this game I do too and you know Washington they're kind of in an interesting spot right now they signed Adrian Peterson late uh, obviously after to the the injury I believe that was Geis that ended up going down right at the beginning of camp right uh their, their rookie running back yeah the LSU's LSU running yeah. back right yeah and uh you know now they signed Michael Floyd and as I messed up on yesterday's show uh, with Brashad Perryman also yeah. Uh, joining those ranks so what are you going to see what are the concepts going to be they do have weapons you have to account for we talked about uh, with Jordan Reed one of the best tight ends in the league Jamison Crowder had a really good season two years ago but hasn't really been that same type of player and you know the jury's still out on Josh Doxson the biggest question I have here and I, I talked about this in that same final thoughts video Mike Packers I don't know if you remember that three years ago I believe was also week three against Kansas City or maybe week two they got out of the gate on Alex Smith, yeah. seven sacks in that game. It ended up being closer in the box score than you would have thought uh, due to some you know, plays that they made late, but they dis- they really dominated and controlled the tempo of that game. Yeah. They did it in the trenches. They need to do it again in this game. I know it's been sort of hit and miss at times for the pass rush, and certainly Clay Matthews looking to get that first sack of the season. This is going to be a really good opportunity, in my opinion, for them to really set the tone because – even though they have one of the top left tackles in the game, Washington does, they've had success in the past uh, against that front. Yeah, and I know a lot of attention this week has been on how the Packers are going to match up with Chris Thompson, the running back who he's sort of the complement to Adrian Peterson as far as rushing the ball. But 
he's Washington's leading receiver right now, 19 catches for 155 yards through the first two games. But that being said, I've said all week, I think the toughest matchup here is Jordan Reed, that yeah. tight end. And, and I say that in part because of Alex Smith's history. When he was in San Francisco, he had Vernon Davis. When he was in Kansas City, he had Travis Kelsey. He had big-time playmakers at tight end totally. who were not just security blankets, but guys who could gash a defense. And I think he wants Jordan Reed to be that same guy in Washington. That, I think, is a tough matchup for the Packers. I'm not sure, you know... Do you, do you play that with a safety, with a linebacker? Do you bracket it? You know, I don't know. That's for Mike Pettin to figure out. And I'm not saying that the Packers necessarily are going to pick one strategy and stick with it. This is one of those guys where you mix up the coverages a little bit. Don't let the quarterback know exactly what right. you're doing on that primary target every single snap. So I think that's a big matchup in this game. And if the Packers can you know, keep Jordan Reed contained under control a little bit. You know, I like the defense's chances of, uh, of keeping this game under control. Yeah, when they saw him in that game in 2016, five catches for 79 yards for him, the biggest thing in that game was actually just the Pierre Garçon touchdown that, that really kind of burned them. Uh, yeah, he's a guy that they're going to have to make a decision on. And it's also going to be dependent on how the Packers want to handle these packages. I mean, you got... It, lo it looks like, by all accounts, Kevin King's not going to play in this game. So right. does that mean that uh, Jair Alexander seeing him? Could Josh Jackson be seeing him? Josh Jones is coming back. You have J you know Jermaine Whitehead. There are a lot of ways for the Packers to defend him. And based on what Pettin has done so far with his scheme, you really don't know what they're going to be throwing at Washington in this matchup. I you know really don't know if we're going to see another DB-heavy scheme are we going to see a lot of, of those concepts used? Do you do you pack it in again and, and maybe go with more of a sub-base defense You know where you have Muhammad Wilkerson playing that end and now you have an extra cornerback in there to defend? A lot of decisions they're going to have to make, but certainly getting back to the crux of it, when you look at Alex Smith's history with tight ends and the way he plays this game, that's going to have to be a focal point for the Packers to come out victorious. Yeah, I, th I think so uh, for sure. Well, our last show of the week, we also like to take a look around the league at what else is going on in week three. And we might as well start with what happened on Thursday night in Cleveland, Wes. Yeah. 635 days between <laughs> victories for the Cleveland Browns, but they get off the schneid, so to speak. Their first victory since Christmas time of 2016, a comeback victory by their new quarterback, Baker Mayfield, who's thrust into the game when Terod Taylor goes out with a concussion rallies the Browns from, I believe it was 14-0 in yep. the second quarter at Correct. one point there. So um, hats off to the Browns and John Dorsey, Elliot Wolf, Alonzo Highsmith, all those personnel folks used to be here in Green Bay. Looks like they're turning things around in a tough place. Yeah, and it's funny too. I, I tweeted this after the game. Uh, John Dorsey, man, he knows quarterbacks uh, with what Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is doing right now in, no question. in Kansas City. And no question. a big decision that they had to make uh, with you know really what a lot of people felt for first you know top 10 type quarterbacks on the board which one do you want leading your franchise and it seemed like it wasn't that big of a decision for them they wanted Baker Mayfield and watching him play the biggest thing Mike is I'm, I'm watching him and he goes in like you mentioned the game's 14 to nothing they get points on his first series and a field goal and then he has to score touchdowns the rest of the way and he does it he plays with tempo 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 making plays not holding on to the ball too long being daring with where he's putting the ball, his accuracy, his arm strength. That was everything that I wanted to see from Baker Mayfield. Now they got to make a decision on which direction they want to go and what's the best for his development and their team. But seeing the dog pound actually have that kind of energy again, 
the football's better when the Cleveland Browns are better. Nobody wants to see teams that are 0 and 16, 1 and 15. They want to see competitive football. Yeah. The AFC North, I'm not saying they're a contender yet. They still have a long way to go, but there is life in Cleveland. Yeah, well, you mentioned the conviction they had in Baker Mayfield, and that was certainly illustrated in the draft because. Yeah. Sitting at the number one pick and with those four quarterbacks everybody was talking about in the first round, John Dorsey certainly could have sold that first round pick to another team, moved back to number three or number four, and still gotten one of those top sure. you know, quarterbacks. One of those was the opponent last night in Sam Darnold of the New York Jets. But obviously, Dorsey had the courage of his convictions that Baker Mayfield was his guy. He wasn't going to take any chances. He stayed at number one, and he took him. And uh, we'll see how it unfolds, but it looks like it could be a great uh, great decision by the Cleveland Browns. And to jump in there, too, the previous administration did do that. They traded back, and they lost out on Carson Wentz and Jared <laughs> Goff. Sometimes, if you got the guy, you like the guy, you draft the guy. You take the guy. And, uh, yep. you know, now, now the, at least for one week, the Cleveland Browns have a lot to cheer for. Yeah, well, elsewhere around the NFC North, in week three, Wes, a struggling Buffalo team travels to Minneapolis to take on the Vikings. The Chicago Bears coming off of their big Monday night win over Seattle. They travel to a struggling Arizona team. And then the Detroit Lions looking to get their first win of the year. They're in prime time on Sunday night football, but Matt Patricia going up against his old squad, the New England Patriots. Some interesting matchups here, but if uh, if Buffalo and Arizona can't you know get their stuff figured out, so to speak, you know, you have to look for the Vikings and the Bears to both chalk up victories, which means for the Packers sake, you have to beat the Redskins or you're suddenly going to be in third place in your own division. Yeah, it's going to be tough for you from that perspective. And yeah, right now, Lions are in a tough spot and now they're going to be taking on one of the top teams in the league and a coach that knows Matt Patricia's defense better than anybody. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So that's going to be a tough task. Yeah, I I, I think that the knowledge part it, I think it favors the Patriots over over favoring the Lions. So yeah, to just speak, a when little. You go into something like this. Yeah, and uh, from the perspective of uh, the Bears, uh, that's why I said that game last week was so important against Seattle, Mike, because not only did it keep them out of the 0 2 start, yep. now it okay, this is an opportunity with Arizona really looking like a team that could be going through a rough campaign, depending on when they want to give Josh Rosen a, sh- a shot uh, at quarterback. The. the they're there for the the taking. So yeah. uh, for for Mitchell Trubisky for that defense, uh, something to go off of and, and try to build off of. And yeah, the Buffalo Bills, man, they are in a dark place right now. Yeah. And the Minnesota Vikings are going to be coming back. And for whatever you want to make out of that ending against the Packers, offensively they were able to build some momentum. And now yeah, they're taking no on a, a Bills team that's pretty downtrodden. Yeah, and it, amazing how quickly things can turn in this league with the Bills celebrating last December their first playoff appearance in 17 years and how yeah. dramatically it happened and everything. And now it just it, it, it looks like they're starting over trying to find their way again. So a um, couple other interesting matchups to talk about in the NFC before we go, Wes. One, in the NFC South, New Orleans is at Atlanta. Saints watch. Yeah, well, this is this is two teams that are both looking to avoid starting one and two after three games because the Falcons lost, you know, that tough one. You know, they go to uh, Philadelphia for the the kickoff game against the Super Bowl champs. That's a tough spot to be in for anybody to be in. They lose that one, so the Falcons are one and one. The Saints are one and one, having escaped against the Browns last week, or they would be coming into this game zero and two. Bottom line is one of these teams, one of these. Uh, 
purported contenders in the NFC South is going to be one and two after three weeks. I made this joke with my dad a couple days ago because, you know, a lot of people, they'll put up the schedule of their team every year, like on the refrigerator. We, we always do it. We got like the magnet schedules to send out to fans. Yeah. I'm envisioning a bunch of really, truly diehard Packer fans having the Packers schedule and having the Saints <laughs> schedule directly next to it yeah. and trying to see what's up there. Uh, yeah, this has been a tough start for New Orleans. And what's weird is, I don't want to say it's quintessential vintage Saints, but in some ways it is. The offense is producing. Michael Thomas is going to catch 200 passes this year. <laughs> Elvin Kamara looks like he's going to be uh, a real star in this league. But defensively, they got punched in the mouth in week one and, and then had their troubles with Cleveland week two. So it's the big test. And yeah. you know, going into that stadium and that venue and, and certainly the, the battles back and forth with they've had with Atlanta, uh, it's going to be one that's going to have big implications for that division and, and obviously the, this entire conference. Yeah, another one in the NFC that involves two teams <coughs> looking to get back into the playoff picture, so to speak, after both missing the postseason in 2017. I'm talking about Dallas traveling out to Seattle. I'll say this, Wes. If Dallas goes out there and wins this game and the Seattle Seahawks start 0-3, it's uh you know we're going to be hearing the 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 death knell bells so to speak which will be way too early because with 13 games to go any team can turn it around but boy if you're if you're Seattle you absolutely cannot start 0 and 3 especially with a home game here against Dallas no division in professional football in 2018 shows you how things change year to year week to week you go back to 4 5 6 years ago Seattle San Francisco, Arizona was trying to ch chase them, and, and the Rams were just the you know kind of the <laughs> horse at the end of it, just getting beaten week after week, and then it flips, yep. and now you have the Rams are coming on, now the Cardinals are falling, the 49ers fell, and now they're back on the rise, and up until this year, the steady presence has been the Seahawks. Through the highs and lows, they've always sort of been steady. John Snyder kind of built that same sort of Green Bay Packers, Ted Thompson, year after year, give your team a chance to be in the playoffs and win a Super Bowl. This year might challenge that. Yeah. They have a lot of questions in the backfield. The defense isn't what it was. This is a huge game for them. And they got to, if nothing else, they got to show once again that CenturyLink is a place to be feared in the NFL. Yep. And then for the Cowboys' perspective, Dak Prescott, has, this is his team now. Him and Zeke Elliott, this is their team. It's a new era for the Cowboys. They stumbled last year. Can they pick themselves back up in 2018? Yeah, and with regards to the Seahawks, this is their third straight game opening the season. They haven't played any of those division opponents right. yet like you're talking about. So now that can be a, a good thing or a bad thing, but I think if they start 0-3 and then they're still looking at having to play the 49ers twice and the Rams twice, boy... That, uh, that could really put the Pete Carroll and company in a tough spot. Yeah, and I don't want to make it out like San Francisco's the team to beat in the NFL, but they just seem to me right now the way that they're built, they can beat anybody on any given week, and they potentially could lose anybody. They're yeah. just in that kind of stratosphere right now. So yeah. there aren't many gimmies out there on a schedule. This is where the Seattle Seahawks need to make some hay. Yeah, absolutely. With that... We're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and of Sunday afternoon's game at FedEx Field on Packers.com. On Twitter, you can follow him at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.